0: This is Daniel Fox, and you're listening to episode 119 of the Who's On Top podcast. And welcome back to episode 119 of the Who's On Top podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. We got yet another Fun week in store. We got all the sports colliding, basketball's back, baseball's Ooh. in the playoffs, football's on. Yes, Jeremy, home runs have been hit. You know what? You keep introduce- interrupting my intro, so I'm just going to introduce you right now. About to go on spring break, having the time of his life, finally getting some sleep, question mark, is Jeremy Giles.
1: That is right. This is the most awake for a podcast I've been in forever. I have the energy and it is time and you know what? You know what's over there? That's a ship, all right. You can't see it because we're sailing on and at your service.
0: All right. I didn't really get that. But let's move on. We do not have Jacob as of right now. He is questionable to return with frat activities. But we do have Ellis Gorin doing the little hand strengthening, getting that grip ready to catch my passes over Thanksgiving football. You know, Ellis, I just, it was such a pleasure to see you, man. I get the big smile. It, it, we had a grand old time, didn't we?
2: Oh, we did have a grand old time. Took some cool flicks. It's just always a oh, pleasure, yeah. Foxy. It is always. A I'm I'm special. gonna need a need a pull up next time, Fox, I'm excited to dominate and catch passes off you on the gridiron or the yes, and I'm tail.
0: excited to light up Blake. All right, speaking of things, we are excited for the tip off. We're always excited for the tip off. Do do Jacob was supposed to do college football, but you know what? I'll take college football. And we'll start with the Ithaca Bombers who rolled to an easy 40 to nothing victory over St. Lawrence. I mean, they just keep rolling, but they, they did lose their star defensive back, Anthony Robinson. Looks like he's out for the season, which could be devastating. He is their best quarter. So it's going to be interesting. The big games are coming up, obviously, against Union, uh, RIT, and the big one, Courtland. Jeremy, how Johns Hopkins do this week? They have another
1: buy. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. No, we didn't, and we are still undefeated. We won 34 to 27. Honestly, it was kind of disappointing. You know, the past few games, two of the past three games, we won 70 to zero and 54 to zero. Another one, 43 to 26. I was kind of disappointed in them. I thought we could have put up a little more points than we did, but you know what? We're trying our best. We're six and zero. We're going to win the Centennial Conference. I don't really know how that works, but I have faith. Yeah.
0: All right. I will fill in for Syracuse. Syracuse got somehow another home game against the final, but they actually played a good team. They played NC State, but without their starting quarterback, they could not do much. And if Syracuse, I almost said Ithaca, rolled to a 24-9 victory. Syracuse, again, just rolling through these cupcakes they finally get to go on the road to clemson that makes me pleased uh it's going to be 12 p.m kickoff in north carolina
2: it's a uh, south and if they win this i'll give them their respect
0: yeah but not no respect right now for jacob who didn't have a bye was alabama and tennessee and in fact they played one of the best football games i've ever watched back and forth bryce Young and hendon hooker two possible heisman candidates going up and down the field And Jalen Hyatt had one of the greatest receiving games in recent memory. Six catches for 207 and five touchdowns, Tennessee, on a last-second field goal. Dude, their kicker sucks. He missed an extra point and then sent this, like, little knuckleball that made it over. It was a 40-yard field goal. He barely made it. I don't get how these big schools have, like, terrible kickers. All right, let's go around the – we had a lot of top 25 matchups. We already talked about two. Michigan crushed Penn state 41 to 17. Our college football insider, Martina Zacher will be very happy. Was very happy about that. You know, she's crunching those numbers. It was just a dominant game on the ground over 300 combined rushing yards. They just ran the ball down Penn state's throats. Oh, just got a like on my tweet by Michael Kasden. That's good to see. TCU defeated Oklahoma state 43 to 40 in double overtime. Oklahoma State probably their chances of the college football playoff are done. It's hard for those Big Twelve teams to make it if they're not undefeated, and that they were the last Big Twelve team. Uh, TCU, man, what a rebound season for them! They are pro- did they jump into the top ten, Alice. But I would think I, they, I, they probably did. They probably did.
2: I will say that me and Dan were talking, and we were, uh, and I mentioned we mouth mentioned that you know nine percent of college football games are bad but the 10% that are good are, like, the best ones. And we They're got, like, than... four of those games. This we year. got four, this exactly. So this week was a bountiful week for college football.
0: And speaking of one of those games, Utah defeating USC, the Utah Utes, defeating the number seven ranked Trojans with a last-second two-point conversion with 48 seconds left of so the Utes. It's, it's, a good, it's been a good week. Actually, a good year for the Pac-12, USC, Utah. UCLA, we know they're going to lose some pieces to the Big Ten, but Pac-12 looking strong right now. Elsewhere around the college football world, we had Kentucky defeating Mississippi State. Both teams were ranked going into the game, and Kentucky's moving up. We had James Madison sneaking into the rankings, but they lost to Georgia Southern. Georgia just, you know, put it on Vanderbilt 55-0. We all saw that coming. Mississippi squeaked by Auburn. Oh, I didn't squeak. They beat him by two touchdowns. Ohio State had a bye, and uh, all the other ranked teams won this week. Coming up, we got, of course, Syracuse and Clemson. That's the big game. Texas and Oklahoma State, UCLA and Oregon. That's going to be a fun one. And Kansas State and TCU. College football is heating up, but you know it's not heating up. Stupid, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> always cooling down. So let's send it
2: over to Ellis. I vehemently disagree. But let's start off with F one. We got. The final four races, obviously the title was already clinched, but I thought I was going to bring this up because this one's in the United States. It is in Texas, I believe, where everything is bigger. Austin, Texas. So they will be down there this weekend. MLS playoffs are in full swing. First round was completed onto the Elite Eight. Cincinnati. Upset New York Red Bulls. There's a shocker. New York Red Bulls having a good regular season and losing in the postseason. That's happened for nine straight years now. So, Red Bulls jumped out to a one nothing leap, but Cincinnati scored two goals in the final 10 minutes to win. LA Galaxy beat Nashville one nothing on the early second half header. Austin versus Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake, you gotta give them credit. They started off the season super hot uh, out of nowhere. No one expected them to make a playoffs. And they faltered when I mean, they won their last two games to steal a playoff spot from Portland. Then they go into Austin, the second-best team in the West, and they almost upset them, take them to overtime. The score was 2-2. Nobody could decide it, so into penalty kicks they go, where Austin prevails 3-1 in penalties, and they beat the feel-good story that is Real Salt Lake. Montreal, easy victory versus Orlando City, just a big count discrepancy, 2-0, light work. New York City, Inter-Miami made the first playoffs ever. They've only been around for three seasons, but first playoffs ever in their career. And some thought they could upset this New York City team who lost their best striker in Tati Castellanos, made probably the second best striker in the entire league. He went moved move to Mexico. So everyone thought there was an upset. Nope. New York City three, Inter-Miami nothing. And then FC Dallas versus Minnesota, two very evenly matched teams and the scoreboard showed it. 1-1 was the final score. Into overtime they go, nobody could find a difference. So into penalties they go. All knotted up, Minnesota had a chance to tie it with their last penalty and set it to extra penalties, but it was saved and Dallas advances to the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals will be Philly versus Cincinnati, LAFC versus LA Galaxy, massive LA um, rivalry for probably the two biggest MLS fan bases in the quarterfinals, Montreal versus New York City, and Austin versus Dallas, they will be played out this weekend too. See who gets into the semis. Let's go on to some other European leagues in the Premier League. Arsenal sit up top, still the Premier League. They did lose, but Man City also... No, they, sorry, they won, actually. Arsenal won, and Man City surprisingly slipped up. Their only two losses this season for Man City have been to Liverpool. Actually, they've one loss and one tied to Liverpool. The rest, they've won. But Arsenal right now is perfect. They sit up first, Man City at second, Tottenham at third, tied Man City. Fourth is Chelsea. Fifth is Man United, and grabbing that last second Europa League spot is Newcastle at six. Uh, with Brighton not far behind, bottom three is Southampton, Nottingham Forest, and Leicester City. So Leicester City is a surprise. Of course, Leicester City has been a mainstay in the champion, in the Premier League for a long time. Right now, obviously, there's 22 games left to play. We have we're only 30% in the season, but right now they're in last by a game and a half. So scary times for Leicester City, who just won the championship as recently as 2017. In Syria, ah, Napoli leads by a half game over Atlanta and Milan's a game back of those two as well. So tight race there, obviously still getting into it. In the Bundesliga standings, here comes Bayern Munich. We talked about two weeks ago how Bayern was in fifth place. They haven't lost the Bundesliga in nine years. They're going for a 10th consecutive victory in the Bundesliga. And we talked about Union Berlin's crazy luck so far. Well, the luck might be... Running thin with 20 games. They're 30 exactly 33% into the season. And Bayern Munich is now only a game and a half of Union Berlin. Dortmund also surprisingly being really bad. They're in eighth place, but they're only a game back from second place. So it's really tight in the Bundesliga. And finally, in La Liga, we had El Clasico, where Real Madrid went to an easy 3-1 victory that puts them top of the table with 25 points. Barcelona now a game back. And of course, the other third-place stalwart, Atletico Madrid, in twenty. With so far, the last-place team being Elche, Cadiz, America. No surprises in La Liga. That is stupid. And now, let's move on to some postseason baseball, which I've been thoroughly enjoying so far.
0: Well, first, Jeremy, anything to say for yourself? You haven't talked in a little bit.
1: No, I mean, how can I say? I just, you know, it was stupid. It was really, it was kind of interesting. Kind of falling asleep a little bit, a little bit of both, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. Now I'm good. I'm good. Now it's time for baseball.
0: We do not have Jake up right now, which is a good thing. What we do need to dive into is this Yankees-Guardians series. You know, last week we recorded after game one, and the Yankees breezed by the Guardians. I thought it was going to be an easy sweep. I said it on the pod. And the Guardians, 10th inning rally in game two, ha! one one then in game three they rally in the ninth inning walk off two run single by oscar gonzalez it was two i never really thought the guardians were going to win the series because they have no hitting and all they have is cheap hits i mean ellis you got to experience the mickey mouse-ness yeah i was so oh, frustrated how
2: many bloop left field singles there were i couldn't believe it steven quad guardians- i got it i got no i really have to be impressed with steven quad real quick this dude just i don't know how he does it he somehow found a way to place the ball perfectly into that bloop gap between the Yankee stadium, between the third baseman and the left fielders. And of but course, that's that's not
0: sustainable for
2: Ichiro. Hicks and Donaldson, of course, you know, they don't like each other, apparently, because they never talk. And the ball just drops between them.
0: Yeah. So game four, Cole went out there and I got to give it to the Kermit. He he shoved uh, seven innings, two runs. And then today, uh oh, we, we got to talk about this. We got to talk. There's so much to get into this series. Game five. Uh, It gets rained out Monday, pushed to Tuesday. The Yankees start Nestor Cortez on three days rest. The Guardians decide not to put their scion-winning pitcher, Shane Bieber, on the mound, but instead go to Aaron Savali, their number five starter. And what happened? He got one out. He allowed three runs. That was pretty much the game. The Guardians were not scoring three runs. Just a mind-blowing decision. There is no tomorrow. If you don't win today, this is the most important game of Shane Bieber's life. I don't really care. You might be tired on three days. Like you play, you, you play to get to this point. This is what you build towards. You, you have to take some risk. I I really didn't understand the decision, especially since the other team is doing the exact same thing. It, it didn't make any sense to me. I
2: totally agree with you. Shane Bieber, I mean, Adam Salale is a bad pitcher and Shane Bieber is obviously a very good pitcher. And it just makes no sense. You got to throw out, you got to throw the kitchen sink in a do or die game, no matter what. We saw the Yankees do that. We saw Cole warming up in the bullpen. If he was supposed to go on, draw got on. You throw the kitchen sink at your opponent. It's what you do. Um, Now Yankees got a tough task because they don't have any rest going against a better Astros team. And we got maybe the, one of the most lopsided game one pitching matchups Verlander yes. versus
1: Tyone. But hey, the Yankees. But, are there. I mean, I'm excited. No, but it's also, you're right though. Like in a game like that, you do what you got to do to survive. You don't, You're not thinking about the next game in a do-or-die game.
0: Jeremy, I want to ask you, um, you know, when you were on the 2006 English Cardinals, you came out of the bullpen on one day's rest after throwing 93 pitches that day. What was going through your mind when you went onto the mound?
1: Dude, I just – I needed to play for my team. There wasn't – I don't think I really was thinking. It was, like, in the moment – honestly, I was hurt tired as hell, but – when you got to go out, for your did team, you get sleep the
0: team. previous night?
1: No, man, of course not. I parted you all night. Are you kidding? I'm not that dedicated. Well, all we, right. all knew, we all
2: knew Nasty Nester had a nice two day rest because he shoved. He
0: Speaking shoved. of guys with a lot of confidence, man, that kid Blake Gordon needs to be humbled because the Philadelphia, I mean, everything's turning up Blake these days, man. He needs to be humble because the Phillies are on fire they completely upset the atlanta braves they split the first two games in atlanta they come back to philadelphia for game three and man that place was loud you got reese hoskins doing bat slams bryce harper is locked in and they just put it on the braves two games straight meanwhile in the other nlds series the padres did the same thing they got a split in los angeles and then they come back to san diego they squeak by in game three and then in Game Four, they come back on the Dodgers bullpen to win five to three. We thought we were getting the Dodgers Braves. What do you call it? Three P Part Three. Yeah.
2: Well, we're, we're not getting it. And, I, and that's what I said. I said in the MLB postseason in our LE postseason predictions. No matter what you think of the MLB postseason, something always unexpected happened. And I, and I think I picked. I don't remember my picks exactly, but I remember saying that, and it's exactly what happened. And good for the Phillies and Padres. Yeah, some weirdos might say they don't deserve it. But hey, the Dodgers had their chance to play, and they didn't win. So who cares what regular season wins? Take your one of the best regular seasons of all time and shove it up because you lost and nailed the ass. That's what happens.
0: All right. Well, what do you think about this? Because obviously people are talking about the playoff format. To me, the bigger problem is that the Dodgers and the Braves, they've been there, done that. They're very business. They were not prepared to match the energy of the Braves yep. and the Phillies. That's what I think made the, it made the impact. They yep. were more desperate. The Phillies haven't made a playoffs since 2011. The Padres really since 2006. I don't count 2020. So when they when they get back to those home fields and the series was tied – they, the Dodgers and the Braves were not prepared to match the energy. They played with a sense of urgency. The Phillies and the Padres, that was unmatched.
2: For sure. That's baseball, man. And you got, you have to have that urgency. Even if you win 111 wins, you, they got too complacent. So that's what happens. It's tough luck right. is my point.
0: And the final series, it was the Astros sweeping the Mariners. On paper, it looked like a blowout, but all these three games were extremely close. Game the Mariners one,
2: could have easily swept the Astros. Easily.
0: Easily. Game one, they were one out of way. But you were on Alvarez and a walk-off three-run home run. And I think for a Mariners team that had all the momentum, I think that that, that's a tough to come back from. You think you're going to go up 1-0. You're going to go back home to a place that hasn't hosted a playoff game in 21 years. Now you're down 1-0. Looking at 2-1-0 with Fran Valdez on the mound who shoved. You were on Alvarez and another home run. And then game three went 18 innings without a run before Jeremy Pena hit a solo shot to send the Astros to their sixth Straight ALCS. What are your thoughts on the series, Elvis?
2: Yeah, I mean, what resilience in game three by the Mariners. I really, I really grew to like this Mariners team against the big bad Astros, but you got it exactly right. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I, if Mariners win that game one, like I watched actually all of game one. I remember doing homework and watching, but I watched all of it and I thought the whole game Mariners were winning the series. Like it kept on, it kept on affirming me and then they lost. I was like, that's it. And it felt like they just could not take that extra step up in whatever it postseason baseball magic. But I think if they win that game, they win in four. But they didn't, and the Astros sweep, good for them. They always find ways to win. They're just good at that. So they advance. It is what it is.
0: So we're going to talk about those two series and our predictions, but we did have game one of the NLCS, the first time in baseball history that a DS and an LCS were played on the same day, and the Phillies – Go into San Diego, take home field advantage. They went 2-0 on a Harper and a bomb that went 488 feet. Meanwhile, Zach Wheeler shoves. Jose Alvarado shuts the door. And the Phillies are up one to nothing. But that is more than enough baseball. Hopefully, we still have Jeremy with us. He is going to unleash some poetry. What do you got for us this week, Jeremy?
1: Yes, I have a AFC poem for us this week. Let's do it. Jets, Jets, Jets. Every game this year, they get met with doubts, projected to settle with a loss each week, but they win the bet and net their fans most happy in the world. While the Patriots ride Bailey Zappy, handing the chubb the baby browns their dappy, And I don't want to get sappy, but the Colts who I railed on last week did not need to get bailed as they sailed to a victory over the Jags and the division of shit starters who stink open as much as the orange f- stags. Who lag far behind their potential and their loss to the semi better Charger drafts. And are visiting my man, Zach Wilson, who will win next week, whose win next week will sell more seats than Rumpelstiltskin, as the Bengals committed the sin of being Saints to a pulp, letting them rest dead on top of Taysom's Hill. As in the distance, we watch the Dolphins' blood spill into the sea, where we see the Bills flying free against my Mahomie, ending the AFC with the best game for me. Thank you very much.
0: All right, short but sweet. But we do have is good, the bad, and the fantasy. You know, I'm deep into fantasy negotiations right now with Wisco Joe. All right, the good, the bad, and the fantasy, everyone's new favorite segment. (laughs) And we'll start with the good because, you know, we're positive here. We are a positive people. I don't think I've complained about anything once in my life. So we'll start with what I like this week, and Belichick's cooking, man. Belichick, mm, he's in the mm, – he's you can't see, but I'm, I'm stirring the pot here. He loses <laughs> his starting QB, Mac Jones, and this team doesn't miss a beat. Yes, I know they're playing the Lions and the Browns.
1: In some ways, they get better. Almost. In
0: some ways, they get better. This defense I, – I didn't give their this defense enough credit. It is really good. They got – I believe his name is Jack Jones. I should know that. He's a cornerback. He If it wasn't for Sauce Gardner, more people would be talking about him as the best rookie – corner of course they got Matthew Judon and they're just a really well coached well-disciplined team Ramondre Stevenson is establishing himself as one of the best running backs really in out of in the NFL he's becoming every down back they're getting the ball to their weapons Devontae Parker they got a debut from Taequann Thornton Jacoby Myers has stepped up it could be a wild card team I want to see what they do when they play real competition they still lack a lot of talent and, uh, you know, how much you trust Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones, really. But I got to give respect to the Patriots.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. They, the past two weeks, they've won their games like a combined 50-something to 15, maybe higher. The thing with the Lions, the Lions team isn't that good. But that offense was no joke. That offense was killing. With and you shut so down.
0: Yeah, I said it. The best running back in football in Nick Chubb. Like, he did nothing, and I should know.
1: No, I agree. Shutting down that, that's not a joke, though. Yeah, they've been speaking. Let's go to the team who's above them in the division. The Jets are just, I said this a little bit before the podcast, they're just such a fun team this year. They're 4-2 and right now. They've been doing so great in fourth quarter games, which they've never been this year. They blew out the Packers this week, 27-10. to We beat them in all facets of the game. Our stars are starting to play really well. I don't know if you guys saw the the picture of Sauce Gardner at the end of the game of him wearing a cheese head after the game. The Packers were all really pissed at him, but I love it. They are they just have such great energy this year. Zach Wilson, he's been undefeated since he's come back. Brees Hall had his first 100-yard game, and yeah, honestly, as a Jets fan, this one the first time where I'm really excited. Like, I could... I don't know if we will, but I could genuinely see this as like a wild card team. Honestly, I don't I'm, want to get overhyped hyped on them, but they, this is the first sign of life we've seen as a Jets fan. is the first sign of life I've seen in years. Putting it sign of life. Like, I don't think they're a wild card team yet,
2: but they're a fun team. They have life, which is really. Would you be, if they made the wild card, would you be shocked? No, like, i would not. Shocked? I would not. No. I wouldn't expect it, though. Shocked is a hard word, but, you know, I wouldn't expect it. No. They have like, literally, in the, begin, in the beginning of the year, you would have been shocked. They have
0: everything you look for in a team. They're well coached. They have playmakers on offense, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And this defense is Quinn and Williams completely overtook that game. I was watching that game because I didn't have red zone because I was at home. Quinn and Williams destroyed the interior Packers offensive line. They could not run the ball. And Sauce Gardner, three years from now, we're going to be two, maybe less than that. He's going to be the best corner in the league. He is so damn good. So I, I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs.
1: I would not. No, I agree. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they're like two of our wins. We should not have won. Like the Steelers game was the last second win. Yeah, exactly. The Browns, the Browns game was the real game, but that was just the luck. But um, hey, maybe they get it. Jeremy you talk
2: about those Jets? That's so why I got to talk about my Giants. I still my reservations. Like I'm with the Jets. Like, I don't think Daniel Jones is that guy. I'm like Jacob, I'm like Jacob. Jacob would don't disagree with me. But this team is really good. And for the first time in nine years, we have a solid foundation with Dable, with Kafka, with Martindale. That's a A plus coaching staff. He's been great. You see the energy on the field. Martindale, you know, I was a little hesitant because I think he's a he kind of has a Todd Bowles factor in him. He's a genius at what he does, but he's not, he doesn't adjust much. But if it's working, it's working. And QBs are throwing so little on this team, who was pass rushing, and now their pass rush is very scary. Thibodeau is starting to show off his form. Got a fumble and recovery this game. Leonard Williams obviously has been a very good player for the Giants. And Aziz Olajari is an underrated pass rusher. So right there, you have three great pass rushers. Uh, The secondary's been overperforming. So this defense has been great. But the offense, like the way Debo and Kafka make it, they make Daniel Jones' life so simple, which is so important when, yes, you have Andrew Thomas, the best offensive tackle in all of football. Yes, you have Saquon, the best running back of all of football, but your rest of your line is trash, and your wide receiver are absolutely trash, and Daniel Jones is still a bottom 15 QB. But he makes the read so easy. Everything is so easy. And the most important thing I want to talk about is fight. Because actually, I talked about this just on the tar- my Daily target podcast, is as much as me, Jeremy, and Jacob like to make fun of Tom Brady for how lucky he gets, one thing I've always commended him on is that There's very few in this league who've punctuated on luck like he has. Everyone gets lucky in football. That's the thing. It's about who takes advantage of it. And yeah, you could say the Giants have gotten lucky. In fact, they have. But every single time in the fourth quarter they get lucky, they have every single time I've seen, I pretty much can think of maybe like 100% taking advantage of it, scored the touchdown they needed, got the play they needed, got the interception they needed, right? So that shows a very competent team, a winning team. I'm just really impressed overall by the culture that Dable's already built the winning culture followed by this good defense and this very competent now offense that strikes when the iron's hot. And that is an underrated skill in football.
0: Yeah, I don't know. The thing about the Giants is that I still worry about these playmakers on offense. Saquon, you're it's a Saquon-centered offense, which it has to be, and it, he's the best running back in the league, but or one of the best running backs in the league. But one thing we've seen in Super Bowl runs, and I know Super Bowl run Giants probably not there yet, yeah, at a certain point, your quarterback is going to need to go out there and make you make uh win you the game. We've seen but it I literally don't... every single Super Bowl run. And can Daniel Jones do that with these wide receivers? No, Sterling Shepard. Remember, they're in the they're going in the right direction. I totally believe about this. Brian Dable is the guy. They're got a great defense. They're building something great. I don't know if it's the year, especially with the Eagles and Cowboys being who they are. I mean, I agree. I not
2: think anywhere. I think. I think they squeak into a wild-card spot is best-case scenario, um, and then lose first round. The only thing I want to slightly push back on is the playmakers. Yeah, the playmakers right now suck, but Evan Neal has been very bad, has slowly shown improvement every single game. And it's important to say that Who's another offensive tackle that was really bad his first five games and all of a sudden slowly started to improve, Andrew Thomas. Now he's not even debatable. He's the best offensive tackle in the league. So I'm very high on Evan Neal for the future, maybe for the end of year two. And Wondell Robinson, he was apparently amazing in camp, and he comes back from his injury net last week, and he showed out. So let's see if those two can really develop, could make the Giants offense better. All right, let's, let's move. move on
0: to the bad. And, you know, I was lying down in my bed talking right now. I got to sit <laughs> up for this one because we're talking Todd bulls. This guy, you mother you you mother This dude sucks. He sucks. There's a reason he won nothing. He is not a leader of men. Todd Bowles, oh man, I am missing the days of Bruce Arians right oh, now. Oh, play you, you Okay, <laughs> play. okay here's, the thing. here's the thing. Eat your food, eat your food, eat your Todd Bowles. You
2: deserve it. Eat, you always your, complain about yeah, Todd maybe Bulls I do it, deserve
0: though. this, but this is like if you have Jeremy at quarterback and I'm a wide receiver, and I've complained the ball's not getting to me. Oh, and then they go out, and they replace Jeremy with a baby. And they're like, oh, man, I miss Jeremy. That's what this is like. Todd Bowles is so bad. He's like, oh, you're all these guys are living in their fantasy uh, Super Bowl. You wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for Tom Brady right now. You would be on the streets working at him, Nick. Donald, let's just talk about how bad this team is. And my good friend, Tombo, who I met on Twitter, uh, he tweeted something out. Uh, go follow him. He, he's a great guy. Me and him against the world. I'm going to find this tweet. If it's oh, a fake
2: stat tweet, that was a fake tweet. Yeah, this
0: is it. All right, Brady. He's first in touchdown interception ratio, but I slander oh. Rogers for that all the time. This was going into last week. Third in passing yards. Seventh in completion percentage. First inter- interception percentage and seventh in PFS passing. That has gone down. <laughs> that has gone down. Brady
2: Okay. But just interception percentage and passing interception is the same thing. What? So five out of those two... One of those stats not correct. Two out of five of those stats are meaningless. So congrats on your two good stats you found for Brady.
0: And let's talk about the rest of the team. 28th percentile in pass block win rate. That is really bad. Seventh in drops last in yards per carry last in yards too. 25th in yards after the catch 16th in pff receiving so they don't catch the ball they don't run after the catch they don't block and they don't run but you want this 45 year old man who gave up his family that's what's so annoying this man gave up everything and todd giselle is having the time of her Life right now. I am probably modeling the somewhere. Costa Rica, like, oh yeah, Todd Bowles keep over. Oh my goodness. This team, I like I was just going through Twitter. Every time I scroll through Twitter, I see a new Todd Bowles defensive breakdown. Baldy breakdowns, one of the most respected minds Played out seven, seven different instances of Todd Bowles and his defense. Up. This team's not winning, not because of the man at the helm, but because of this idiot who shouldn't even be in the league doing cardio.
2: I mean, I'm going to address that and transition that to my bad. No, um, that, let's, let's address that. If you look, my bad is addressing a lot of that. Dan's not wrong in a lot of ways. Dan's not wrong. Todd Bowles, I warned him, isn't a good coach. He's a stubborn coach. All he does is blitz. When he doesn't work, he doesn't make – Oh, my God. And goals. they didn't blitz. Play-
0: I, I forgot to mention this. I just remember, Game on the line. Brady goes down and scores a
2: touchdown. Brady within it,
0: Third and 16. If they give Brady the ball back, they're going to win. I promise you that. Guy left wide open. Third and 11. Get the ball back. Brady goes down and wins the game. They put Levante David on Chase Claypool.
2: Game. Idiot! No, and he's not wrong. But here's my issue with Dan. Here's my issue with Dan when he was complaining about Bruce Arians. He's so spoiled from growing up, a, because that's the one way to put it, growing up a Belichick, Belichick Brady fan, that when one aspect of the team, right, like me and Jeremy, our teams, right, They're experienced. like, yeah, we've experienced that. Dan, yeah, there's no doubt this offensive line's bad. Todd Bowles is probably, I would probably rate him not a bop. I wouldn't say he's a top five worst coach, but he's probably around 20, 21, not a great yeah. coach. And, yeah, he hasn't said the right things. And this offensive line is bad. There's no doubt the talent around this team still isn't enough for Dan to be putting this solely on, I, on. I'm not
0: putting, all right, fine, go. I'll respond. Because
2: obviously Brady's been good. In fact, I would even still will say he's a 10th, ninth best QB in the league right now, right? Playing like it. So that's obviously still good, but his average yard reception is going down. He's not taking risks. If you look at these games, he seems to be pretty off with a lot of his receivers, um, in some I obviously haven't watched every minute of Buccaneers football like Dan. I'm not going to pretend to, but I've seen a good amount of it. And, uh, and he seems a bit, oh, I've seen a good amount of all the football games, but he seems a bit off on these receivers. On top of that, you know, Brady, obviously, one of the best leaders of all time. But if you're going to come back at the age of 45, you got to fully commit. That's you just got to fully commit. And him not showing up to practice Wednesday, I somewhat get it, right? He's needs body's needs rest. But if your body needs rest from not playing the football season, you probably should be playing football. And then not showing up to walkthroughs because of a wedding. Like, I get it. I get it's your former owner, Kraft. They have a good relationship. But, dude, like, Kraft wouldn't have been insulted. He understands, right? Like, it just shows me Tom Brady isn't 100% there for the first time in his career, for whatever reason. When he's not 100% there, right? Even if he's 90, he cannot chew out his players like that. Like, that's what Rodgers does. That's what Brady that, that always with Dad always blames rogers for doing and i'm seeing a lot of ta- no i'm right actually now.
1: else i actually push back on you the thing is rogers says it's in the media it's different to say it to the players themselves that's it's fair very, but that's but, very, but Rodgers very, very also different
2: rogers also does it to the players both yeah um, but
1: i feel like to me the problem with rogers is to and like in media and stuff brady even now at least from what i've seen he always takes responsibility he now, doesn't Rodgers doesn't do that I, yeah, I actually I, will put back on
2: that I called Dan out on the stat of course he respond um but yes respond Sorry, I'm not by
0: my phone responding you know what I was doing I was in the gym trying to get one percent better
2: I'm not trying to look through PFF all right I'm trying to get work in Ellis all right well he can respond here those stats are a bit misleading they just are first off they chose five cherry pick stats right and this is this is probably still the best front seven in the league if not best top three so you can't fully complain about the defense yes the offensive line is bad but injuries happen you've got th- that is adversity that most people not named tom brady have to deal with in an nfl season and maybe if tom brady was 35 he can but my criticism of tom brady is he doesn't look like he can handle a little bit of adversity and Dan say he's 45 that's okay but then why did he come to play football again? If you, you can't do that, if you're not 100 committed, if you can't handle the adversity of a football season, which always throws up, you shouldn't be playing football. That is why Brett Favre, that's why everyone else retired. And so yeah, that that all those stats are very misleading. First off, Tom Brady's no longer seventh in PFF. First off, interception rate means jack. Uh when you've only thrown eight touchdowns, and I forgot the other two. Maybe they could be legit, but at, at the end of the day, two good stats doesn't mean much. But yeah, obviously Tom Brady's a top ten QB. I'll let Dan respond before going to my other small trash.
0: Okay. So about the walkthrough, it was not a practice. He did not miss a practice. He went there Wednesday, 30- Thursday,
2: Friday, and he practices on Wednesdays. He doesn't. What do you mean he practices? On- no, I thought he's been sitting out Wednesday. Not sitting out, but like no. Practice. They for no. some
0: reason they changed it. He's been practicing almost every Wednesday, and I'm you look so at sorry. if you look at the practice report because I'm reading. I'm a true Bucks fan. I'm reading the practice report. Guys are constantly sitting out for rest. Julio Jones missed. Well, he's always missing, but Chris Godwin got a rest day this week. Levante David got a rest day. It's just what they do.
2: But it's different. Brady didn't miss any day of
0: practice this week. He missed the walkthrough on Saturday, which he should not have. Now, watching Tom Brady, if you watch, do you see any of the Steelers highlights? Yeah. Uh, He made some good ass throws, some tight window. His arm's still there. What's not there, he doesn't want to get hit. He does not Mm. want to get hit. And he's not going through his reads all the way. Mike Evans should not have had only four targets. He should not have only had four targets. He's, he, It's as soon as there's pressure, Fournette, Fournette, Fournette. And that's what I could criticize him for. But the arm talent is still there. If they had a true number three option, I know asking for a number three, but they don't have Kim and Gage and on the page. They have no tight end.
2: Godwin. Leo hasn't played. What? Three. Well, I guess net's three. that's a fine three option. But I don't view a running back
0: out of the backfield. Godwin has been in and out, still working back from his ACL. You can put blame on him. But you – it's so minimal when you compare it to not getting off the field. All of these stupid things they do. They can't run – they the things they can't do, start with running the ball – Defensive breakdowns, blown coverages, that's coaching. That's what loses you games. Brady's doing – he's playing well enough to win. He's completed a large percentage of passes. He's first in completion rate. He's not turning the the ball over.
1: He's playing well enough to win, but he's – I think the one thing I'll say about his age, he can't carry a team the way he used to be able to. That's probably true.
0: But he is being asked to because he's throwing the ball 50 times a game because they can't run for (laughs) And yeah. they can't...
2: Whatever. <laughs> but don't you think if Brady doesn't want to get hit, right, like he shouldn't be playing football?
0: No, I don't think it's – I think it's that he's scared. I mean, yeah. I mean scared, not scared. Oh, but he, yeah, knows I agree. That he might not be able to – should he be playing – here's the thing. He, he his knows arm he is
2: still like yes. one of the best in the league. But he knows if he gets hit at the age of 45, a hard hit, his career could be done. So he's getting it out fast. I mean, now, Ellis, been, I but the thing I will say by though, him, but I would still... push back that while it's smart, this is why you shouldn't be playing football at 45 anyway. I mean, I was I actually will push back on him. Not should... him. I still think he's a top 10 QB. I think he's like 10-9. But whatever.
1: I mean, if he's a still a top 10 QB, then even with that, why not? Right? Like you're not going to get, is this the vintage Brady that can completely carry a team? Maybe not, but he's still good enough to play. Like, Oh, he's still good enough to play. I'm saying why not because of his health? Yeah, no, I agree for his health sake, obviously. But like, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I mean, I think the Bucks would still definitely rather have him over some of any other QB they could get. And I I
0: think, don't read, I mean, this Stewart's game was bad, but in the two games since Godwin got back, Brady has thrown for over 300, before this, Brady has thrown for over 350 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. So that's just something to, uh, that's just something to keep in mind. That's enough, Tom Brady. If they lose to the Panthers, I'm not even going to speak it into existence.
2: Let's just on. I got my real bad right now, and it is the Arizona Cardinals, and I've been harping on them since the days of Cliff Kingsbury being fired because this dude is a fraud. And, you know, I even gave him credit. I say, oh, maybe Cliff Kingsbury would be a good offensive coordinator. No, he would not be a good offensive coordinator. Everything there is gimmicky. Everything there is little tricks. They're not a good defense, and they're not a good offense, which Cliff Kingsbury was put there to do. He was put there to make their offense good. And he can't because Cliff Kingsbury, for his entire coaching career, has been by a has been a fraud who's been riding. I call it the Gase effect. A, a good-looking white man who's riding the coattails. All-time QB. Congrats, Cliff. You are Adam Gase. Congrats, this dude. Like, I mean, three points on offense versus the worst passing defense in the league. That is horrible. I don't care if you don't have D Hop. It's horrible. Well, they also didn't have James Conner. I don't care. This is the worst passing defense in the he, league.
0: You do a lot of Cliff Kingsbury slander, um, which is fair. He's bad, and I can't wait for him to get fired. Live on Hard Knocks, you're going to need a new set of pants after that the one. The thing
1: I will say – Wait, like,
0: wait, Jeremy. I just you, – you don't you – I don't ever see you
2: blaming Tyler Murray. I'm You don't – Yeah, not, he's been bad. But he's been bad this year he's for sure. Real, he's real bad. I think part of it is game plan. They're not accessing his best – and. And he's been real bad this year. But last year, in my opinion, he was very good. Number one on deep ball accuracy. Number one uh, a mid ball That uh, mid, I forget. I think it's like 10-20. That,
0: um, like, uh, that sounds like what uh, Max calls his fantasy football league.
2: His accuracy was the medium pass was good. But they're not utilizing correctly. You understand, like, why is this dude not the third best rusher in the league? Because he can easily be the third best rusher in the league. They don't use him in rushing plays. Until the, every single time, the last drive of the game, where they need a hail there. And they're, all right, we're going to rush Kyler Murray. Let's do it. Like, that's the issue. Like, they're not utilizing him well. They're throwing little checkdowns to Ertz at Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is a take, a, and I get that. That is part of Hopkins be, not being there. But Marquise Brown is a receiver that's supposed to take the top off the defense, draw in the safety. Why is he going out for five-yard receptions? Why is Ertz going out for five-yard receptions? Now, when – now that Cliff Kingsbury, for whatever reason, is not sending any receivers deep – now the linebackers are coming in and pushing in against James Conner and this offensive line, who talent-wise are both the definition of mid. So you're not utilizing your running game correctly because of the way you're utilizing your passing game. And because these linebackers are coming encroaching in, Kyler Murray, who still is the third best runner in this league if they would ever run him the ball, can't run the ball. He just runs around the pocket and makes a throw. That's not what Kyler Murray should be doing. Kyler Murray should be doing what Jalen Hurts is doing, and he would be so much better. But no, Cliff Kingsbury is a literal moron. This whole coaching staff is a moron. They don't know how to use the offense. They don't have enough talent on the defense. It's like it's like incompetence. Now that Matt Rules fired, Cliff Kingsbury has become the worst coach in the league. And no, Nathaniel Hackett, second worst coach in the league.
0: Nathaniel, Hack- Nathaniel Hackett. There's a lot of bad this week. We might need to quickly run it down uh, after this. No,
1: let me. Yeah, let me. Let me. I'll I'll just quickly can quickly go through something. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. The the Broncos are terrible i'm excited for them to come to the to see the jets this week i'm i'm excited to see how we can make mincemeat of him and i think for me the one thing kind of along with that rogers he lost to the giants mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Man, uh, he's not worth talking about his team's ass, oh, f- ass. I, I just oh, he's so ass that's go- the rest of the bad all right i, I will so say though, let me talk about Fantasy. Well, before that,
0: I just wait. There's a lot we did not talk about. Mostly because Jacob's not here. We have the Vikings, obviously going to five and one. They look like they're going to win the NFC North. Obviously, still early. Josh Allen, one of the best games of the year, uh, carried the Bills down the field, and then Patrick Mahomes throws an interception to seal the game for the Bills in the rematch. I don't know why Jacob said the Cowboys are very scary when Dak comes back. That makes no sense. The Giants. He,
1: He probably talked about the Giants.
0: But no, he. Clearly said cowboys very scary when no, but
1: probably very scary for the Giants if they're in division. It's Dan well, I don't know about
0: that. that. What I do know is that Jalen Hurts and his running game is for real. And yeah, just wanted to quickly run through that. Jeremy addressed the Broncos. I'm gonna let Jeremy address his fantasy team before I rebut.
1: It's this isn't a rebutting situation, Dan. Me and Dan had a game this week, and you know Dan's probably the second best team in the league, only to yours truly. And you know, I, w- I was thinking I had a bye this week. This week was a pretty bad bye week, and I was for him, too, to be fair. But no, I was missing my probably wide receivers 1 and 2 in my RB1, so I am probably missing it. But, you know, my team showed up. We didn't have a crazy game. We, we got, like, 120 points, but, you know, we're, we're still comfortably best team in the league So the six-high point score. No, this is a 14-team league, so they aren't as high. Points scores in this league aren't as high as in some others. But Dan, yeah, I think he had one player score over 10 points, to be honest. I didn't expect it to be such a cupcake, but his team had absolute worst games of the year. But yeah, I won by 60, and I think we, we all know who's, who's the daddy of this league right now, and that is me.
0: Yeah, I got daddied by Jeremy like a bowling ball. You know, for this week, I, I thought you would like that more. I, I don't know, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, this week's Cardio Player of the Week goes to my entire team. Not one person showed up for me. Not one person. Not Nick Chubb had the worst game of his... Melvin Gordon! Oh, man. Mike Williams is gone already. I sent him to the 14-year-old. Tyler Lockett had the worst game of his career career of the season. Devin Duvernay had one catch. Taysom Hill did nothing. Uh, Robbie Gold! Two extra points. That's going to help me win the game. Look, we're making some deep changes. Already made one trade. More might be coming. But yeah. The Ithaca League... I got to tell you about this game, man. It came down the wire. I had Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, the Broncos defense, and Brandon McManus. So I, at the end of last night's game, I was like, oh, they got to score, but they can't score a touchdown because at the defense, everything was just all at once. Eckler saved my ass with three catches in that final drive. Austin Eckler, man, dude just is bored. He was literally constructed in a lab for fantasy. 16 receptions for the running back position. He is the RB1. He is a league winner. And the last thing I have to say, Mike Williams, get out of town. Get out of here. Traded him in two of my leagues. Look, I know he's on Patrick Shertain, who's one of the best young corners of the league. He's no sauce Gardner, But to be fair, Jeremy, but Yeah. Uh, Patrick
1: Shertain's pretty the, amazing. So the the Chargers
0: the have Josh Palmer. They have DeAndre Carter, who are both getting you know, as many targets as Mike Williams. Then you get Keenan Allen back. And of course, Austin Eckler. I mean, they threw 50 times. Williams got, what, four targets? That's that's what uh, I'm, I'm worried about Mike Williams. He's great, but he's not, he's no wide receiver one.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think he's a boom bust receiver too. That's one of my fantasy <clears throat> horrible this week. Uh, like on Monday, I could have got three though. I need Herbert to get 40. I needed, which is a bit big ass. I need Williams to get 10. I know 12, I need something in McManus to get 23. I especially wanted the 23 because uh it would put me first in the entire league at five and one, and I was playing the team that was five and zero. Um, and it would put me at five and one. No. Yeah, it would put me at five I was four and one, he was five and oh put me at five and one, and it would put him at five and one with me tie break due to head to head. That didn't happen. Herbert obviously did a touchdown for the first time, so that didn't happen. And Mike Williams disappeared. So I pretty much lost all three of my leagues. Sleep the the fourth most points scored. I am last in the league with Jeremy so but I wanted a couple of reminders pitfalls that I've had and then not really a pitfall that anyone's had but just some interesting thoughts on fantasy Justin Herbert reminding me why I panicked in my father league, picked Justin Herbert in the fourth round he's reminding me why I don't pick QBs early because he has the seven best core quarterback this year not bad but because I picked him so high that is a bigger bust than if I picked a fourth round receiver and he did nothing for me that is a bigger boss in terms of value than if I picked the fourth-round receiver, and do nothing for me. Point is, I'm not going to get into this further because I always ran about it. Don't pick quarterbacks early. I made the huge mistake. Unless their name is Josh Allen because he's clearly proven to be an outlier. I made the huge, huge, huge mistake, and I am regretting it because unless Justin Herbert finally rounds into form, my team is completely reliant on him because I may be yeah. the best running backs in the league. I have horrible receivers, and my team goes and goes and comes the way Justin Herbert does, which you don't want. You don't want your team reliant on one player, but whatever. We'll move on.
0: Yeah, it's- do it like me. And wait till the very last minute. After Jacob cries, everyone take another quarterback so Dan can't get one. <laughs> Come on, guys, literally crying. And I take Tua, and he's coming back this week. So I'm looking forward
2: to that. Should we read Jacob? Oh wow, no, wait, I got
1: one more. I got is one he more. Really fantasy. coming back this week? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
2: I don't really I got one more heard. fantasy thing. The other fantasy Dan might not like, but it, I, this is an actual disrespect because I admitted to Dan on Friday that I was wrong when Nick Chubb. So I'll say that on air too. But um. Or, or on the pod too, but it is the power of PPR and running backs and why my thought process to why I wasn't high in Nick Chubb. Because here's the thing: you don't want running backs that are too touchdown aligned, even if they are the top two running back in the league. Because if they don't have an outlier season, granted Nick Chubb is having an outlier season potentially of the ages, right? They're not going to be a, a high-end RB1 for fantasy, right? And the way I do it is comparing my team to Dan's team. Or my running back RB1 to Dan's RB1, right? Nick Chubb has eight more, nine more points than Leonard Fournette so far this season. So he's averaging, or obviously he's not equivalent, but he's averaging what five games. He's averaging about two more points per game than him. Nick Chubb has seven touchdowns. Leonard Fournette has one. So it, it's my warning that, yeah, there's obviously outliers like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. And I was wrong, about Nick Chubb. I don't necessarily blame myself because I thought the reason I, I predicted Nick Chubb to not be a top ten RB was because he would have under fifteen touchdowns. It's kind of hard to predict the guy would have over fifteen touchdowns. But regardless, other than outliers like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, you always want to stick to fantasy running backs that catch the ball. That is my only point, and that is it for fantasy.
0: The four net thing is so interesting because they literally drafted Rashad White to be that guy, and I think he'll get more. I mean, he's still a rookie as he gets more comfortable. Yeah, Fournette's just a weird, weird, weird case. Would you guys do this really quick? Would you do this trade? Would you trade Devonta Smith and uh, Jamal Williams for Debo Samuel and Brian Robinson?
2: Yes. Yes. Easy. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Wins or just, or just Debo. Yes. No, get Brian too. Well, if well, well I'm trying. Fine, I'm right.
0: trying. This dude has like six running backs. It's Wisco Joe. All right. Anyway, not the point. All right. Jacob could not be with us, but I am going to read his poem because he was very excited about it. I've not read this before. The Cowboys and the Bears were primed to have a fight, but it turned out to be just another Thursday night. Washington got the win in the end, but Carson Wentz's hand can barely even mend. He just doesn't, he doesn't understand the like syllables. Like, anyway. The Ravens came into MetLife to play my Giants and Dable and Wink treated them just like any other client. Saquon and the Giants' D were too good and sent the Ravens back to Ravenhood. Brady's... Gas went into Steel City. What a terrible loss. Oh my God, what a pity. Mitch Trubisky and Pickett were are too good for Tom. Fox is going to cry and put his face into his palm. The 49ers went into Falcons territory. Atlanta sent them away to tell a great story. Mariota and Pitts finally connected, and the 49ers' defense really felt affected. The Vikings went into hard rock. Jefferson and Cook really took a nice walk. Kirk Cousins not on prime time, really just turns into a dime. The Panthers went to L.A. and Cooper Cup said, hey, hey. The Rams' D was too much for P.J. Walker. It looked like CMC was just a little squawker. Dallas against the undefeated Eagles. Oh, and oh, man, what I would have done to watch from above like a seagull. (laughs) Philly took them down, but Dak will be back soon, and then Dallas could be playing a nice tune. That's the NFC with me. So see you, I'm going
2: to flee. That was really good.
0: Oh, my God. On. He's so funny. I was funny. I liked
2: that, was funny. I liked it. that
0: was funny. Oh, my I God.
2: It. All right. Welcome to week six of predictions, which means we're halfway through round four. A lot of at stake here. Round one, of course, I was the winner on a tie break. Dan won round two. Jacob won round three on a tie break off of me. So round four is, can someone be a second winner? Or can Jeremy get his first win? Let's go through results before we pick our predictions for today. Through five weeks. Through five weeks.
0: Man, Jacob had a really good week.
2: Jacob saved himself for this week, actually, because... yeah,
0: has- good pick on him by the
2: Phillies. How do you see that coming? Okay, through five weeks, let's go bottom to top. At top, Jeremy with 43%. He did have a 50% outing last time, so not bad. That's um, pretty bad. Sec- thir- tied for second is Dan... With 47%, he slipped up only two out of six last week in week five. Jacob, winner of week five, but because he was so behind the rest, this only catches him up to everyone. He's at also 47%, but he had five so, out of six points. are none of us at 50%? No, and I keep chugging That's away. Uh, four to six, now I'm up to 57%, 10% clear of the pack. But a whole half season to play for. And we'll kick it off with some baseball on that note. And we got Phillies, Padres. Wow, we got a Philly sweep. I want, And then we put this in before the game today. Yes, we put this in before the game. I'm going to give my opinion. Philly's just not losing. The energy is like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl over there. Like, I'm just feeling it right now for this Phillies team. Riding the hot streak. Good pitching, good hitting, whatever. Apparently you don't need fielding to win baseball games. Give me the Phillies.
0: One well, thing I want to say about the Phillies is I feel like everyone thinks they're like some, you know, fluky, you know, just a team that got hot. If they don't lose Bryce Harper for a large chunk of the season, this team probably wins 95 games. They have tremendous starting pitching. Wheeler and Nola, it reminds me of the Nationals with Scherzer and Strasburg and their offense, Real Muto, Harper, uh, Castellanos, Schwarber. I mean, it's, it's a very tough lineup to navigate. And they found something in the back of the bullpen with Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez. It's a formula of a really, really good team. And their home field advantage that they got – and, of course, being hot is part of it. This is just – I think they're just better than the Padres. They're deeper. They've got better starting pitching. Um, maybe not the same. They don't have a Josh Hader, but, I mean, they're they're a really good team.
2: All right. Second game, Yankees-Astros. I'm sad to say Jacob hasn't put his pick in. Probably still thinking about it, but we'll give
1: him some time. Yep.
2: But, you know, Jacob, big Yankees fan. We got Astros. I'll let Dan say Astros, and then I'll give him my half a bottle, even though I did pick the Astros.
1: Damn, Alice, you're thinking against the Yanks.
2: Well, he's not a real fan. There's not one facet
0: of baseball that the Yankees are better than the better Astros. Defense. They're not better
2: offensively. You know? They're better defensively. Are they all, they're no, all they're defensive not. Astros I don't know better. where you get
0: this. Didn't you say this before, that like the Astros are some bad defensive team? I didn't say that. Right? I said I the are Yankees are number
2: one. Are the Yankees the number one defensive team by metro, most metrics? What? I read that somewhere. No,
0: they're below average, kind of for left that short. Donaldson, Donaldson's pretty good at 3rd Donaldson's
2: been great. They're, okay, one second. I'll, we'll research this, but keep on talking.
0: The Astros have a deeper lineup. They're not just Aaron Judge. They're not just relying on Harrison Bader to bail him out. They've got better starting pitching, and they've got more rest. They've got a bullpen you might be able to give the edge to the Yankees, but neither bullpen is really great.
2: That... Everyone's when above you, average. everyone's above average except for the shortstop and center fielder, but Bader's now there. Well, those are here. the two most important positions. But Bader's there was a great center fielder. So now I know, but now you're yeah. moving who's gonna play left now. And
0: like who's uh, Torres is good at second, but I think that's Torres heavily influenced by how great Judge is. Well, if DJ, great, if DJ,
2: if DJ comes back, then we got it.
0: Uh I don't know if he's going back, man.
2: Cabrera's an above average left fielder. Uh, is so he? Left. Yes, he just
0: played that ball, and
2: yeah, he did misplay that ball. But and
0: most Trevino obviously is spectacular behind the plate, okay. But the Astros are still really good defensively, that's my oh, point. I agree. Maldonado I agree. and Trevino are push. Yankees, is I'm
2: saying. That's not the
0: point. point is, the Astros they have everything set up for them. They've got Verlander and Valdez one and two, they got home field advantage, they've got more rest. I just maybe it's because I'm just trying so hard not to see a path for the Yankees, but the Astros have their number, they have their number.
2: There is no doubt the Yankees, the Astros are better, and that is why I picked them, because they are a better team, right? And Dan does disrespect this Yankees lineup. It's obviously not just Aaron Judge, but there's no doubt the Astros lineup is better. I'm not going to argue that. Defense, maybe I'll argue they're better, but Astros bullpen, I think Dan, I think, is actually overestimating the Yankees bullpen, because I think the Astros bullpen is a good amount better. Starting pitching, I think, is slightly Astros, actually. I think the Yankees starting pitching is underrated. But overall... In some nation that's still maybe I'm a little higher than the Yankees than Dan, but that still leads the Astros to be better at pretty much all facets of the game. That said, Dan just talked about teams that want it more. And it's obviously these are obviously not quantifiable stats, they're just feelings. And I'm a biased because I'm a fan. But this Yankees team feels like they for the first time, like they really want it. Like, and again, I could be biased. And Dan could say no, they don't. And he probably, and it's it's just a feeling. We'll see. But And I'm not picking my prediction based off my own feeling and my own bias. But I feel like 2021, 2020 Yankees, 2019 Yankees, and 2018 Yankees would have lost to the Guardians after they went down. I, I
0: don't think so. I don't think so. First off, like the Yankees, the 2019 Yankees made it to the ALCS. 2017 Yankees also beat the Guardians. This Guardians team was not good. They were not good. The I Yankees know. had to give them two games to even be in the series. They don't act like the Guardians when it t- took it. Not and way, right? the Yankees ha- didn't really even play especially well in the games they did win. They didn't score yeah. after this really the second inning tonight. They were really okay, Harrison, a Harrison Bader home run runs. in game four. Like,
2: you know. Well, that's the thing. I'm saying like a lot of players, like, okay, judges struggled a little bit, but he still hit clutch home runs. Giancarlo, same thing, but he still clutch home runs. Home runs is how you score in the modern MLB. Bader's been red hot yeah
0: because against the guardians all you need is one home run that's not the case against the astros
2: well we'll see i do think the starting pitching is like Garrett colt has consistently dominated the astros when he pitches against them we'll see if that holds up in the postseason but i just think there's a different vibe about this team than every that all the other teams since 2017 which in fairness they did lose the astros in seven but their starting pitching back then wasn't that good So sabathia was on the downhill Tanaka was obviously amazing, but they didn't have anyone else. This team that right now, I feel confident when, obviously Tyler's pitching game one, but I feel confident when, and by the way, Verlander was just shell. I think he'll obviously win that game, but still. It's one game, bro. I agree, but still. Garrett Cole, Cole, Seve, and Cortez, they haven't had a better starting rotation in the playoffs in the last 10 years. And that's a big deal when you're talking about playoff baseball. Cortez, yes, you can taste the Guardians, but you, you don't choose your opponent. He's still shoved against all three pitchers shoved also, he struggled in the beginning, but then he completely got it together. And I, I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel something different with this team. But yeah, I'm picking the Astros because tangibly, the Astros are a better team. You can't argue it. But so are the Braves. So are the Braves. And so are the Dodgers over the Padres. So these things happen. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a zero percent chance that the Yankees would win. That's what uh, I right feel, about. I feel good. All right, let's move on. Yeah, but you felt good with the Dodgers and Padres. Uh, all right, Jets, Broncos. Oh, what, let what, me. What is? One second. Would you say it was? Would you say it was crazier? That a crazier thing for the Yankees to beat the Astros and for the Padres to beat the Dodgers. Padres. Five-game series.
0: Five-game series. I don't care. Anything could happen in a five-game series. Seven and if game it series. in a
2: seven-game series, it's the same thing. We'll see. Jets, anyway, football. Jets, Broncos. Yes, the Broncos' offense has been defunct and bad, and there's no doubt about it. And the Jets' defense has been good. But, because of how bad the offense has been looking, we have overlooked how dominant this rockers, uh, rockers well, this Broncos defense has looked at all phases of the game, pass defending, rushing, um, rushing the passer, stopping the run. This defense is dominant. I expect a lot of mistakes from Zach Wilsons, two or even three picks. Uh, Brees Hall didn't get a lot going this game, even though I love Brees Hall and this Jets team, and I think that those two or three picks are enough to propel the Broncos to let's say a twenty to thirteen victory. Uh, overall low scoring game. I don't care about this Broncos offense. They've been carried all year. They've been carried to three wins, I believe, all year, maybe two. This is a team, Jets team,
1: that I think they could get. The defense can carry them to a win. All right, going to work, no, Jeremy. No, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I I'm kind of nervous. That's going to happen because I, I don't. We don't know how good Zach Wilson is yet. He's been playing pretty well, but he hasn't have to do that much. He's still pretty young. But really with this Jets team, it's just we've been playing great. Sauce Gardner's been playing great. This defense has been really, really strong. For most of the games, the Broncos have been terrible in the fourth quarter. The Jets have been lights out in the fourth quarter this year. So I could easily see, even if we're down by a touchdown, I'd honestly, with the way we've been playing, I trust this Jets offense more than the Broncos offense to get a last second touchdown or field goal in the fourth quarter with the way they've been playing. Coaching matchup, it's not a matchup. Nathaniel Hackett's been awful. Robert Sala has had this team playing amazing. Like If you just look at the energy in this team, it's like nothing I've ever seen as a Jets fan except for maybe 2015 with Fitzpatrick. But oh, this sorry. is... Oh, I was just going to say, the momentum the Jets have is insane. Brees Hall's been playing fantastic. Um, They've been getting a ton of different receivers involved. So I know the Broncos have Patrick Schoener, things like that, but you can't just lock up one receiver with this Jets team, right? Corey Davis has been playing well. Garrett Wilson, the rookie, has been playing really well. Um, Elijah Moore is very good. Tyler Conklin this evening is playing well. So they don't just have like a clear number one. You can just lock up.
0: Also, you don't, you got to mention the Broncos played an overtime Monday night game. They are a mess physically and probably mentally too. I mean, I, I mean they keep losing close games. They can't get anything going. They're terribly coached. They're undisciplined. Everyone's on them in the media. And now they got to go play a Jets team that's, as Jeremy said, Firing on a cylinder is playing with a ton of energy, a ton of momentum, and I think it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be ugly, but Breesall is going to make it some some plays, and I think there's going to be some turnovers for the Jets. That's going to set up some good field position. Zach Wilson, I think, has done a good job not turning the ball over, and I think that's going to make the difference in, like, a 2017-type game.
1: I will say, though, I could see this Broncos team just having, like, one of those snap games where after you've like have been playing for a while. I won't. I don't. Go back. See,
2: I think the Broncos will win, but I don't see
1: that. All right, let's move on to Giants-Jags.
2: Jeremy, your predictions are mixed three. Listen, the Giants are just a more competent franchise right now than the Jags. This is a game where Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to throw a couple picks. Um, He why has been much he, better.
1: Why are you predicting? He,
2: okay, I, I, I didn't put this win. in. I don't think but I put The Jags are predicted to win right now. So, are you serious? Yeah, by two and a half points. They are home.
1: That's but ridiculous.
2: This is a team. This is a disrespect on Vegas to the Giants. Unless Vegas always is better. So maybe we're all wrong. But in the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence throws a key pick. This is just the Giants team that knows how to win and a Jags team that has struggled to know how to win, even though they're much more approved with the hands of Doug Peterson. So Giants all the way.
0: Whatever. We need a win. We need a win here. I mean, we've had a lot of tough games. Three of us are under 500. This is easy to me. This Giants, this Jaguars team is, you know, is a hot start, but. They've fallen off, really struggling offensively, and that's not a good recipe going up against the Giants.
2: Saints-Cardinals. Wow, you guys got the Cardinals on Thursday night.
1: Honestly, this is one of those games where I don't know if it'll be that good a game. I think for me, just the Cardinals have been playing bad. I just think I really still – I said in the game season, I don't think the Saints team is very good. I just think this – not that this Cardinal team has been great, but I just – even after everything, maybe this is me being naive, but I still trust this Cardinals team – more to put together than the Saints. Well, I don't
2: know about that. I don't At know. least
1: for this game, for this game, it
2: is it is you being naive, Jeremy. I don't <laughs> care. Like I don't care. Like congrats, DeAndre Hopkins, you're back. You'll get yours. But this Cardinals team is absolutely inept. I don't choose inept teams when football games. And the Saints team has been. They don't have the personnel, but Camaro's gone back into it. Uh, I don't know if James is playing, but I don't really care because Taysom and Dolan's not a horrible duo. They can. This car, it's not like this Cardinals defense is blowing anyone away. They just lost, I believe, Byron Johnson, their best their best cornerback. So, I yeah. mean, I just don't see this car, honestly, what this Cardinals team has to offer except for DeAndre Hopkins. Poor coaching. They're the worst fourth-quarter team in the NFL. They, this is just like, I don't understand how you could ever pick against the Saints, who almost, by the way, upset the Bengals.
1: I i think people are really high on the Bengals, though, to be honest. Uh, maybe,
2: but I, I just don't care. Like, the Cardinals, that, literally all the stats that correlate to winning – are Cardinals are worst in the league. And the only thing that you can say for them is they're getting DeAndre Hopkins back. Whoop-de-doo,
1: you lost Marquise Brown. I don't really care. Chargers-Seahawks. Jeremy. you got the Seahawks? I think for me, okay, so the thing I will say about this game, I know I'm picking the underdog here. I don't think the Seahawks have been playing really well. I think the Chargers just had an emotional Monday night win in overtime against the Broncos. This hasn't really been their season. Seahawks have been playing really, really well. Pete Carroll, whatever we want to say about him, he's been putting on a masterclass of coaching this season. And I don't think you can really take that away from him. So he's been playing really – been coaching really, really well. Jito Smith has been great. I don't really understand it, but he's been playing fantastic. I just – I think this team is pretty hot right now. I said the Chargers obviously have better personnel. I'm not arguing against that. But I just – I don't know. I guess I just feel like this Chargers team isn't playing that great right now. like the Seahawks team is, and I feel like this is one of those, the moment is right. Here's my issue with that.
2: I don't necessarily disagree with that. What you didn't mention is this is, I guess now they're not the worst because they played in inept Cardinals team, but this was previously the worst passing defense in the league with potentially Keenan Allen coming back. Mike Williams is still him in my opinion in terms of deep ball threats. They still got Austin Eckler receiving back. Like, I just think Justin Herbert, like, if Justin Herbert doesn't torch – the Seahawks in this game for like a million yards and a million touchdowns. There is going, there's something inherently wrong with this Chargers team. I think this is a get right game for the Chargers who won, but struggle against the Broncos. And I, I just, guess you know,
1: I would say, oh. I do think there is something inherently wrong with this Chargers team. I think their coach is terrible. I, uh, really
2: don't. I don't know. Oh,
1: stop that. Stop that. I mean, stop their bad.
0: playmaking, I think their offensive coordinator is bad. I, I think they're, it's pretty basic offense. They, I think they don't get their playmakers the balls, but Keenan Allen's going to be back. And I think this Chargers defense, especially the secondary, is really, really, really good. And I think they're going to, you know, shut down Geno Smith like they did to Russ. Their playmakers will make enough plays and that'll be the
2: difference. Uh, All right. Wacky sport of the week. This one is thanks to Insider. Thank you, Insider. It's a cute one. It's dog surfing, which is usually played as just like a fun thing to do, but there are competitions in California specifically San Diego, which is where it originated. Listen, we don't need to get too deep into this one. Earn or owner surf, the dog gets on free, but you lose when the dog gets off, uh, unless you complete the trick. So if you complete the trick and the dog is off, obviously all these dogs can swim, and it's safe. But if you if you complete the surfing trick, you do, or the wave, I don't really know how surfing works, and the dog is still on, you get the points. If he's off, you don't get the points. Really cute. You should search up some dog... Dog surfing pictures. It's very cute. Um, and it's a very San Diego thing. So nice, authentic San Diego. The most beautiful city in the um, in the U.S. in terms of weather. All right. That is all for this week's episode. Next week's episode, more of the same. Maybe we'll... Some, well, no. Won't be one series most likely yet. But it will be NFL Week 8. Have some more basketball data to get into, so yeah, that's what you gotta look forward to after a week of NBA. Enjoy this is being recorded as during the NBA season opener, so enjoy the start of the NBA season. Go Celtics! If you want to start your own podcast, you can do that using Buzzsprout, the perfect podcast hosting site. Use the free plan or premium plan. Premium plan, you get an Amazon gift card. Use the link in our bio to go on Buzzsprout and start a podcast. Today. They make it simple easy to get you on all the main podcasting platforms. Use the link in our bio today. Um, if you want to start your own podcast, you can do it. You can do it too. Listen to the podcast on Who's On Top, WHO, Apostrophe, Space ON, Space COP. Spotify, Apple Podcasts are our most listened to, but we are everywhere but Amazon. We do not like Jeff Bezos in this podcast because of that. But yeah, mostly on listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leave a review, five-star, hopefully a little comment would be nice as well. Follow the podcast. Turn on notifications. Right now, we're posting consistently on the weekend, but when we go home, we usually do weekdays because our schedule changes from our typical school schedule. So always remember to turn on notifications, subscribe or follow, depending on what platform you use and like the podcast you listen to. We appreciate the support a lot. Social media, both Instagram and Twitter at Watt.podcast. It's capital W, rest, lowercase, O-T, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Twitter, we post highlights of the episode. Polls, standings updates, always. We'll have one going out Wednesday morning for week five. And you always know when the new podcast is out, plus the link in our bio, Podcast link to the podcast is in the bio. Instagram, same thing, link to the podcast is in the bio. Same thing there as well. You get polls. You can look at our past polls to judge how our fans and audience have done you can do or you have done if you voted on them. We have Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame always posted on there if we have a Hall of Fame that year, that episode. We have face shops, Photoshops, highlights of the episode, and you always know when the new episode is out. And that is all the announcements for today. That's episode wrap on episode 119. Thank you for listening this week. Hope you enjoyed the episode this week. Hope you have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and goodbye.